Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Hallelujah. We're going to continue, amen, here in our series here on receiving the Holy Ghost, amen. Talking about being led by the Spirit, you know, being able to do everything that the Holy Spirit has directed us to do in our lives, amen. And there's lots of different facets on that. And, and, you know, we came out of what, believing God for revival. We found out, you know, last week there's four different principles, four different facets that we can begin to shape in our own life that can bring personal revival unto each and every one of us, amen. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, church, you know, we, we speak on these type of things every week, week in and week out in this church. We talk about intimacy, church. We talk about the power of God. We talk about being led by the Holy Ghost. We talk about, you know, being in him, being recreated in Christ. But I'm telling you, there seems to be a disconnect in the church. Amen. There, there is a disconnect in the church. There is a disconnect. I'm not talking about just our church, you know, physically or our church only. I'm talking about the church as a whole. There is a disconnect of people grabbing hold of what the word of God says and actually being able to apply it into their lives. Amen. You can hear these things. You can hear these things. You can hear about the power. You can hear about the gifts. You can hear about all that God is trying to do for you. But we have an issue with with allowing them to, to bring fruition, to bring fruit on the inside of our lives. Now, why is that? Why is it? It can be from several different reasons. It could be because of doubt and unbelief. I mean, we, there's, more, there's more doubt and unbelief preached from the pulpits nowadays than, than you can shake a stick at, as we'd say in Texas, amen? There is so much doubt and unbelief going forth through the body of Christ. I don't, I don't know how the, the church is being, is being able to walk in, the, in divine health. It, it's having a really hard time doing it. I mean, see, see in this day and age that we're living in right now, you know, we, be, we ought to be the ones, you know, you, know, you see ch- churches all over, all over the U.S. that they're, they're making their places a vaccine center, amen, to where people can come in and get the vaccine. Church, we ought to be that vaccine. And man, I'm not, I'm not criticizing you if you've gotten one or if you hadn't gone. I can care less about that stuff. What I'm saying is we need to get to that place where, where these hands, amen, when we go to lay hands on people, that they come here before they want to go to a doctor, before they want to go to the hospital. Why? Because this is what's reigning on the inside of us. But why? There is a disconnect between the church and us. I mean, between what God's told us to do, between what the word has told us to do and what we're actually doing in our lives. Why is it? I'm telling you, these are some things that have been disturbing me here lately. See, the frustrating part about this is, you know, people will hear these messages, they'll hear this type of stuff, and see, they won't, they won't, they won't grab a hold of what the Word of God says. So what happens? They, they, they end up putting their hand up against the, the Word of Faith, you know, message being spoke. I'm telling you, there is no such thing as a Word of Faith message being spoke. It's not a, it's not a move. Amen. It's what, it's what Paul was speaking of. It is the word that we preach. I mean, if we're not preaching in faith, well, we're preaching in doubt. Amen. And when people don't grab a hold of what the faith message says, I mean, what the word says, amen, they end up walking off into the sovereignty of God message. You know, you know, Lord, you know, if you, if you really want to heal us, man, you, you'll heal. You know, if you, if you want to prosper us, man, one of these days we'll get prospered. You know, if you want COVID to leave this, this land, you know, you know, you will do it eventually one of these days. If it's something you want to do, I'm telling you, that's a weak message. That's a weak message. And then people don't stop at the sovereignty and move into the sovereignty of God message. Oh, I'll say that, Lord. Why do, why do people move into that sovereignty of God message? Hmm? Because it's a lot easier to blame God for something than it is to look right here. It's easy to say, God, you, you know, you'll do it if you get ready, but you know, you know I'm going to go continue to do whatever I want to do. I'm not going to press into the things of God. 
I mean, it's a, it's a lot easier to blame him than it is to blame yourself. Can I get an amen in this, in this dead house today? Huh? I'm telling you, if people don't stop with that sovereignty of God message, what happens? They end up, they end up most, a lot of people, I'm telling you, you see, it, you see it like clockwork nowadays. People just walking away from the things of God full stop. And you say, what am I talking about? Look on social media. You see worship leaders, you see pastors, you see all kinds of people saying, I just don't believe that stuff anymore. I just, I just can't believe any of that anymore. And, they, and they're walking, walking away. You say, oh, can that really happen? This is what the Bible talks about being apostasy. I mean, this is the day we're living in at the beginning of the apostasy. It's going to grow stronger and it's going to grow stronger and it's going to grow stronger. Why? Because the word tells us about it. Amen. But it's going it's to, it's going to branch off the people that are serious about the things of God. I'm telling you, there is a such thing as the apostasy. Why? Because God does not, does not take away your free will. I mean, it blows me away that people think that, that once you start believing God, that, that all of a sudden your free will is taken away from you and he's going to force you to be his servant for the rest of your life. That God doesn't do that. God doesn't force you to do anything. He never takes away your free will. Amen? That's why, the, that's why the word says, work out your salvation daily. This is why the word says that if, you, if, you'll, if you'll be a believer to the end, amen, if you won't stop believing, if you'll keep on pursuing no matter what comes against you, if you'll keep on hammering down towards the things of God, listen, listen, you're going to be with Jesus for the rest of your life. We've got to make the decision that nothing can turn our gaze from him. Oh, come on, church. I'm telling you, this is some of the serious things that we, that we need to deal with. I mean, I look at healing and, and, and being reborn like in the same likeness, right? Because it's all part of salvation. Right, you know, if someone, you know, someone, people come up here, they get healed. I'm telling you, some people there, you know, and, and they stay healed for the rest of their lives. I've, I've seen people that have been healed here. By the time they get out that door, they're all of a sudden starting to grab their back again before, before they walk out the door. Well, I mean, healing just leaves that quick. I mean, back in the healing revival in the, U, in the U.S., back in the what, 40s, 50s, and 60s, there was a man named Gordon Lindsay. I mean, he, he, uh, he had a magazine called the, the Voice of Healing. He, has, he started off the Christ for the Nations uh, ministry school back in the States. He was, a, he was a guy that moved in the gifts. He was right in the middle of all, all the amazing things happening back in the U.S. during that revival. But, but they said, you know, we're going to do a survey with people that are, that, that are getting healed. Amen. So they, so they went around and they had all the ministers that said, all right, now everyone that gets healed, tell them to fill out this sheet. And then, and then we'll kind of call them here every three months, every six months and every year. And we'll see how they're getting on. You know, they found out that only 30% of people held, uh, kept their healing. 30%. I'm talking amazing things with gorders falling off, cancers leaving. Blood pressure, diabetes, you name it. People getting up out of wheelchairs, people getting out of deathbeds, you know, all coming up. And only 30% of the people that replied to these things kept their healing. I'm telling you, that is, that is insane. You say, why is that? Because listen, church, whatever, if, regardless of how you receive healing, whether it be by the gifts of the Spirit, whether it's standing in faith, whether it's someone laying hands on you, or whatever it may be, you have to receive it by faith, amen, or you're not going to receive it. But that's the same way you got to keep it. I mean, why? Because I'm telling you, you have an adversary that's going to come try to steal something from you. I mean, you. In many cases, you have churches that'll come and try to steal something from you if you allow it. Amen. But we got, we got to keep on pushing. We got to keep on pushing. You know, my pastor, my pastor t- tells a story about this, about this girl who's in the early 90s. He, he prayed for her. This is when he was a traveling, a traveling minister. And he, he prayed for this girl. She had MS and she had all, you know, all the um, braces and stuff all over her body. And she was walking on crutches and and uh, she came up and he, he laid hands on her. The power of God came all upon her. She started stripping off all those braces and took off running. Took off running. 
Amen. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't walk without crutches and braces before. Now she's running around the sanctuary, absolutely healed. Now, he says, you've never seen the bigger smile on this girl's face. She was about 17 years old. You know, he came back about a year later and he, and he talked to that pastor. And he's like, you know, you know where, where's, that, where's that little girl that, that I prayed for that had MS, that God, that God healed her? And he goes, oh, man, you, you're not going to believe this. And he goes, what? What happened? He goes, oh, she went back to her church. You know, it was a dominate, denominational church. He went back to her church and, and, and the pastor and the elders there sat her down. They said, you know what? God didn't heal you. God doesn't, God didn't do that. That, that. that preacher just tricked your mind. He just tricked your mind. And I'm telling you, within six weeks, she had every one of those braces back on, struggling to walk with crutches. Struggling to walk with crutches. I'm telling you, church, these things are insane. I'm going to tell you what. If I can trick your mind... Amen. To get you healed, I'm telling you, I'd, I'd rather have my mind tricked. Amen. I mean, those things are absolutely absurd. And we get to get, got to get back to this place. We start believing God. Amen. We got to start believing God. Whew. I'm telling you, throughout much of the church, no matter where you travel, doesn't matter if it's in this nation, America, Africa, whatever it may be. I'm telling you, there's, there's one thing in common. Most of the church believes, you know what, if I, if I just, get, if I just you know, get, get confirmed, you know, if I can get baptized, you know, if I can just come up to the front of the church and, and make that prayer confession, man, everything's going to be all right. I mean, everything's going to be fine from there. It doesn't matter how I live my life. It doesn't matter what I do. I'm telling you, church, those things are wrong. I mean, those are, those are lies from the pit of hell. That, that is the adversary coming out and, and manipulating what the word of God says on every front. Amen. What does the word say? What does the word say regarding these things? Romans 10, 9, what does it say? That if you will, that if you will, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. Listen to how the, the, how the New American Standard says it. That if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, amen, and believe in your heart, that God is raising from the dead, you shall be saved. If you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, went up and poured out his blood upon the mercy seat. You know, we talk about that, we sing that in this song, talking about, you know, God hides us in his wings. You know, it's not, it's not talk, God doesn't have wings. We're made in his likeness and image. What is that talking about? It's talking about the wings on the mercy seat. I mean, we're hidden in the mercy seat. We're hidden in the blood that has been poured out on the mercy seat. Amen. I'm telling you, it's powerful. We got to believe that blood came on the mercy seat and it actually redeemed us. It made us absolutely new. We have been recreated in Christ. We, we have to believe that. But see, it's not just believing those things. You got to confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. Oh, come on, church. It's not just believing what the Word of God says. It's not just believing Jesus is your Savior. It's actually making Him the Lord of your life. See, Jesus is the Savior to all humanity. All humanity, He's the Savior. But see, He's Lord to the Christian. He's Savior and He's Lord unto the Christian. He is their Lord. Jesus is our Lord. See, this is what James chapter 2, verse 19 says. You know, James talking said, oh, oh, you, you believe there's one God? Oh, con congratulations, man. That's, you know, that's amazing. You can look around and tell there's a God. You, know, you believe there's one God? That's great. Even the devils, even the demons believe these things and they tremble at the fact. Why? Because the demons believe that he's God. Demons believe in Jesus. They, they believe all that. They know who he is. Amen. But he's not their Lord. 
Amen? So they tremble at the fact. Why? They're, they're going to a place called hell for eternity. Amen? We, I'm telling you, church, we need to get back to that place. Amen? Do we not only believe what the scriptures say, believe what the preacher says, believe what Jesus says, but we, we need to get to make him the Lord of our lives. He has got to become the Lord of our lives. Why? Because see, there's loads of Christians, so-called Christians, walk around in that name. And I'm telling you, Jesus is not the Lord of their life. They're their own Lord. Money is their Lord. Jobs are their Lord. Sex are their Lord. Drugs are their Lord. Alcohol is their Lord. I'm telling you, church, we have to get to that place where he becomes the Lord of our life, where we exchange our life for his, amen, and begin to submit unto him. Submitting to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, church, is it, is it all right if I get real with you for a few minutes here today? Amen? Because see, this is some of the things that, that don't seem to get talked about enough in the church. You know, when people walk around acting like absolute fools, they look just like the world, and yet they're using this term Christian, wondering why no one wants to come to the church nowadays. Why? Because we don't look any different than anyone else. Why do I want to come to that place? What do you have to offer me? I can go, yeah, I have better time at the pub than I do there. What, what do they have to offer me? That's a question. What, what do we have to offer them? I'm telling you, we have freedom to offer them. We have healing to offer them. We have everything that the Word of God has spoken to us. We have that to offer Him. But listen, church, you know, we're, we're going to have to get serious about the things of God. Ooh, a little, little tough on Sunday morning, is it? And we need to get serious about the things of God. I'm telling you, church. It's, see, this is one of the reasons why I don't do salvation, uh, salvation call every, every service. Amen. See, I got, I got tired of people, you know, coming into the service and they bring someone off the street and they say, oh, now, now the preacher, now, they're, now just walk up to the preacher, say a prayer with them, and everything's great. You know, and you see them going out acting like idiots, you know, going down the streets and nothing's changed in their life. Nothing changed. You know, I talked to the Lord about this. He said, well, stop doing an altar call every service. He said, Jesus, he never did those things. Amen. What did he do? He preached the word. He taught the word of God. And then what happened? People begin to believe that message. When they believe that message, they start confessing him as Lord and start following him and doing everything that he asked them to do. It was as simple as that. Amen. Now I'm not saying doing altar calls in the service is wrong. Church, we do it. Amen. I'm not, I'm not criticizing other churches. I'm telling you what the Lord has told us to do here. Amen. He said, listen, I will tell you when, when someone's ready. And I'm telling you, every time he's told me someone's ready, the answer has gone forth besides a couple of times. Amen. And he's told me he's still dealing with them. Amen. I'm telling you, we, we get serious about the things of God. It's not just about coming up and saying a prayer. Man, everything's great. Amen. Are we, are we living for the things of God? Are we living for him? Hallelujah. You say, why are we getting into all this? I made a statement, I guess, last week, and the Holy Ghost has been dealing with me, dealing with me about it, about keeping God at, a, at an arm's length from us. Amen? We'll let him get so close to us, but, but listen, we won't let him, we won't let him come in and, and, and change us. We won't let him come in and be the Lord of our lives. Amen? And he said, listen, we need to get in, and we need to start expounding on some of these things because we, we need to make a change. Now, like I said, I'm not saying us as a church in here. I'm talking about as the church needs to make a change. Amen. We need to get to that place where we are beginning to live for the things of God. Amen. Getting serious about these things. Religion has taught us some crazy things. It's taught us how to have a facade on so we can look like what we want to be but have no desire to be it. 
so we can look like what we, what we want to be, what we want people to see us as, but there is no desire on the inside of us to, to be that. You know, Brother John, you know, ministered on that last week. We can, we can teach all kinds of things in this church, amen, but we can't give you desire, amen. That's something that's going to have to start up on the inside of you. But listen, if we don't get, if we don't get those things corrected, if we don't, if we don't get a, a desire birthed on the inside of us, church, I'm telling you, we're going to be, we're going to be like Jesus addressing the, the Pharisees. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You people, what is that word hypocrite? It means someone that wears two masks. You walk around like you're someone in religion. You're walking around like you're faithful to the things of God, but you're actually living like the world. You're wearing the mask of the world when everyone else doesn't look him. I'm telling you, this is what Jesus is beginning to look at the church. Woe, you hypocrites. Take off your two masks. Just wear one mask. Wear the mask of Jesus in everything you do. Be an image bearer of Jesus in everything you do. He says you're like whitewashed tombs. Whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but on the inside, you're like dead bones. You're like dead bones. You're, you're unclean. You're impure. I mean, that, that is dead bones. That's the Greek word necros. That, that can be literally translated like a corpse. He's saying, man, you look, you look, man, you look good. You look like a Christian, man. You know how to say amen when, when the preacher says amen. You know, say hallelujah. You know how to give an offering. You know how to do all those great things, you know. But I'm telling you, on the inside of you, you're dead like a corpse. Whew. I'm telling you, church, that ain't the place we need to be. You're not going to change anything outside of those walls. All you're going to get is getting a rebuke, you know, from our, from our Lord and our King. Amen. I'm telling you, church, these people are imposters. Well, that, that, word's been, that word's been flaring up on the inside of me lately. You know, imposters. Christian imposters. I mean, wearing two different types of masks and everything that they're doing. I mean, wanting to be loved by the world. Amen. But not being sold out to the things of God. Whew. Question is, church, how can, how can we be an imposter today? How can anyone in the body of Christ be an imposter today with all the word we have, with all the amazing teaching we have on the internet, with, with the signs, the wonders, and the miracles going throughout the world? How in the world can we be imposters? How can that take place? How, how can we be in that place? I, 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 it baffles me. I'll tell you, it's the same way. I'm convinced that, that people had the same misconception which caused them to miss Jesus when he, when he came down to this earth and he was being who, exactly who he was prophesied to be and they missed him. Why? Because their minds couldn't, couldn't grab a hold. He didn't come like what they thought he should look like. You know, they thought he should come. They thought he should come like a, like a raging king going out and, and, and defeating everyone that came into his presence, but he came as a, as a loving servant. He came as a, as a man serving people, going around teaching, preaching, healing all who were sick. And then loving on everyone that he came into contact. Didn't matter where you were, if you were serving God, if you weren't serving God. The only, have you noticed the only, the only people that the Lord had a problem with in the word, you know who it was? It wasn't the sinner. It wasn't the adulterer. I mean, now he didn't tell them to stay where they are. He, he healed them and said, now, 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 you know, walk away from your sin, walk away from that lifestyle. Amen. But who, who did he rebuke on a consistent basis? It was the Pharisees. It was the religious people. 
I mean, the people that, that, that thought everything was perfect, you know, they had a great outward facade. Amen? But they, but they weren't living for the things of God in anything. You know, I'm telling you, Jesus, Jesus did everything he did on this earth he did in love. Everything he did. I'm telling you, this, this is the direction we need to get back to. Listen, because when we receive the Spirit, when we receive the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, there is a Spirit you received. And see, this will help you distinguish between any other Spirit that tries to come upon you or tries to minister unto you. You say, what's that? You receive the Spirit of love when it comes on the inside of you. The Holy Ghost, he, he is the, yeah, he's the spirit of power. Yeah, he's the spirit that heals. Yeah, he's a lot, but he is the spirit of love. Why? Because God is love. For God is love. You say, well, well, if God's so much love, what about the Old Testament? I'm telling you, Jesus, Jesus is perfect theology. You want to know who the Father is? You want to know who he is? You want to know what, why the things happen in the Old Testament? Begin to study out Jesus. Begin to study out how you walk down here on this earth. Begin to study the epistles and you'll find out. When you find out exactly who Jesus is and what he does, and you begin to look at the lenses of Jesus when you go through the Old Testament, it will correct everything that you think about the Old Covenant. And you say, well, did God judge? Absolutely God judges. God still judges. You say, but what does he judge? He judges anything that comes against his name, anything that comes against his word, and anything that comes against his people. I mean, it's the same God. He is the God. He says, I change not. We just went over that. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. You want, to know what, you want to know who the Father looks like? Start studying Jesus. He is the perfect expressed image, as we taught about in Foundations class in, in Hebrews 1.3. He is the expressed image. He is the, he is the perfect replica of the Father himself. Father doesn't look different than him. He has the same character. You know, it's not, it's not the Father is mean and Jesus is, is nice. <laughs> no, they're the same. Amen? Not the same, not the same person, but they had the same attributes, they had the same character. Amen. I dare say they even look the same. You want to know what the father looks like? You know, meet Jesus in a vision. Amen. You'll see exactly what the father looks like. Why? Because Jesus is speaking the same things he spoke for eternity. The last two thousand years, he's speaking the same thing. You say, what is that? Here in John chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, when Philip came to him and said, you know, you know, Philip comes up to him and he says, you know what, Jesus, all these things are great, you know, but if you'll just show us the Father, all things will be great. Amen. We'll believe everything. All you got to do is just, just show us him. And he looked at Philip and he said, Philip, how long have you been with me? How long, how long have you been with me and you still don't understand these things? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen the Father. You've seen the character of the Father. You've seen the love of the Father. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. How, how many times do I have to come and, and say these things to you? Everything Jesus did, didn't love. John chapter 13, verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give unto you. Amen. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also should love one another. I'm telling you, church, when you start thinking about some of the depths of the love that God has for us, I mean, you look at this, you know, as, as these things were being spoken, you know, Jesus, the kind of love that he had for one another was right before, hours before he was getting betrayed by Judas. Hours before he was sitting down on his hands and knees washing his feet. Washing the feet of Jesus. Amen. Hours before he went and got those 30 pieces of silver and went to betray him. 
I should give a different revelation on a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I've loved you, that also you love one another. The very next verse says, and, this new, and by this, by this new commandment, shall all men know that you are my disciples, how you love one another. Now, all men shall not know you are my disciple because how much power you carry, not because of how many people you have healed underneath your ministry, not how much money you've been able to gather up here on this earth. Now, he says, people are going to know you by the love that's getting expressed through you. By the people that are around you. Hmm? I'm telling you, that's powerful. John 15, 13 says, There's greater, lo- greater love has no man than this, than a man that gives his life for his friends. Whew. Those are some deep things. Those are some deep things from the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you, if you've received this spirit, listen, you, you have received this spirit of love. You've, you've, it's not something you have to go fighting after. It's something that's already on the inside of you. You just got to begin to start yielding to it. So the question for today is, how is your love walk? How is our love walk? How is our love walk towards all people? Amen. Not just the saved people, but the ones that are not saved. How is your love walk? Not just towards our church in here, but the church in general. How is your love walk? How is your love walk to the people that, 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 that like you and the people that hate you? How is your love walk? I'm telling you, it's real easy to love people when they love you back. Amen. But the people that hate you, the people that fight against you, the people that start talking bad about you around town, listen, those things can be a little more challenging. But see, he's given us this spirit of love on the inside of us that can begin to love people even when they hate us. Yeah, how many of y'all know that, that the Lord didn't tell us that we got to like everyone? We don't have to trust everyone. We don't have to be best friends with everyone. But he did say you need to love them. Why? Because all all men are going to know you're mine by you doing the same things that I did, by expressing this this expression of love that begins to flow through each and every one of you. Amen? Now listen, let's go here. How are we looking on time? Ah, pretty good. Let's go to to John chapter 4. I just want to quickly go through these scriptures here. John chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 7. Now, John... This is the same John that wrote the, uh, the, uh, the gospel of John, same one that wrote Revelation. Now, now he is called the apostle of love, and he's called the apostle of love for, for a reason. This is his revelation. He's the only one in the gospels that goes around. He doesn't call himself by his name John. He says he is the disciple whom Jesus loved. I'm telling you, this, this is the revelation that we need to get a hold of. We need to be, learn that we are his beloved. And when we understand that we are his beloved, we'll begin to walk in the things that he has given us. Amen. Now it says here in, in verse 7, it says, Beloved, ones that are, the ones that are loved by God. Amen. He says, he goes, let us love one another for, for love is of God. Now, now you're going to hear me say love over and over and over here in these next several verses here. So I want to, I want to teach you something here. How I many y'all know there's different words for love in the Bible? Amen. In the Greek text, there's, there's several different words for love. You have eros, you have, you have storge, you have phileo, and you have agape. Every time love is mentioned here, amen, when it's coming through the revelation of the beloved, amen, it is talking about agape love. So what is agape love? I was, you know, I always struggle trying to find a, a definition, a good definition on this, but I found, you know, one with Rick Renner. So I kind of merged a few of my stuff in with his and I, and, and it gave a really good definition here. It says agape love is when one recognizes and understands the value of an object or a person. 
It says a great sense of respect is awakened in the heart and they're compelled to love that person or that object. In fact, that love is so strong, it's irresistible. Agape has no limits or boundaries, has no limits or, or boundaries to its outpouring. It has no strings attached. This love showers love upon a person or object, regardless of the response, regardless of the reciprocation. This, this is love. This is, this is the God kind of love. Amen, that he's placed on the inside of each and every one of us. So he says, beloved. You know, and this is, this is that agape. Uh, I think it's the Greek word um, agapetos. It is, it is talking about the ones that have agape love on the inside of them. Amen, he says, let us love one another for love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. Everyone that is born of God and knows God will release this love. I mean, see, I, I look at this love. You know, we always talk about rivers of living water. You know, Brother Melvin was sitting there talking about that in the scripture, you know, he gave earlier. And we talk about it when we're, when we're baptized, getting people baptized in the Holy Ghost. We lay hands on them that there is this river of living water coming up on the inside of you. I want, well, I want to make a suggestion to you. That river is not just tongues. It's not just power being released in you. It is the love of God that needs to flow through you. You know, see, I owned a, I owned a property outside of town here. It was about, uh, I think it was 17 or 19 acres, one of the two. And we had it for about three years before the Lord told us to, to sell it so we could start building that church up in Derry. So we, so we sold it. But while we were there, the very first year we were there, you know, it, has, it had a nice big place of woods in the back and it had a, 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 a spring that, that flowed through it and, it and it created some ponds and a nice little creek that, that flowed through there and then it went on down to hit the Glide River. Amen. It was a beautiful place to walk. We'd walk and our dogs loved it. They'd get, they'd get into, into, the, into the water there. They'd drink the water. It was, it was beautiful, beautiful crystal clear water coming up out of that spring. Amen. Now, now just like Mel was saying, listen, the trees, it had amazing trees around it. You know, it had flowers out were always in blooming and you'd see ducks, you'd see all kinds of birds that came into that area. But at the end of a summer came on that first year when it got nice and warm there, you know, we, we saw that the, the spring dried up, it stopped. You know, I was like, oh man, hopefully that the spring comes back, you know, and, and, it, and it was, I don't know, for that year, I think it was a couple months, maybe we had really scorching temperature there. And, and I started seeing the water going down. It was sinking down. The ponds were going down and then to get dried up into spots and it started getting that real funky smell, you know, like a, like a stagnant smell to it enough to where my dogs wouldn't even get in it anymore. They, they wouldn't even drink it anymore. It started getting that bad. And then you start looking around and the trees were starting to wilt, uh, wilt up, you know, trees were starting to die. Some were falling over, made a lot of fire wood. Amen. But the trees were falling over. It seemed like the birds left. They, they weren't, they weren't at that peaceful habitat anymore because the water dried up. Amen. But what happened? You know, as always, thank God for Ireland, the rain is going to come. Amen. The rain came. What happened? The spring started flowing again and when it started flowing again. All the life came back to it. All the birds started coming back. The ducks started coming back. The leaves that were yellow started turning green again. No more trees were falling. Amen. See, church, this is the place that we need to get to. I'm telling you, the church is in a stagnant place of complacency right now where it's doing nothing for the kingdom of God. I mean, see, I mean, we can look at that in these seats right here. You know, this, this place should be jam-packed and you should be doing, you know, several services a week. But see, we're so complacent as Christians that, that even the things that God has asked us to do, it does nothing. And when it does nothing, we don't go outside these four walls of this church. We don't get people saved. We don't get our family saved. We aren't doing anything. But see, Jesus put this spirit of love on the inside of us to where it can rush on the outside of us and people can know that we're his disciples. 
And what happens? We go out of there. We're not hating on people. We're not making fun of people. We're not, we're not making fun because they're doing stupid things that, you know, that the adversary is leading them to do. No, we release love unto them. We release love unto them. We, we are so focused on getting them bought into the kingdom. We're relentless of the things of God. Church, we got to get to that place where we are relentless back in the things of God. We need to have this spring of love flowing back through us. Amen. And, and you know, we need to get the plug out of the well that's on the inside of us. Hello? Am I talking to myself here today? It says here in verse eight, we, it says, he that loves knows not God. He that loves not knows not God. Let, let me just read, let me read this real quickly. So just for, for all the people on, on the internet, you know, the live stream people, they can hear it, right? He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. You see, if you don't, if you don't love, if you're not releasing love to people, it says you don't know God. Regardless of what kind of facade you put on, regardless of what you think about yourself, if you don't love, if you're not releasing love, you don't know God. And this is the manifest, uh, the manifesting, the, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son unto this world that we might live through him. Here in his love that we love God. Here in his love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. People ask all the time, do you really think God loves us as much as you, you talk about? I say, absolutely, read this verse. God loves you so much while you're in absolute rebellion. He sent his son to die for you. He sent his son to be an exchange for you. Not so that we can care less about the kingdom, amen, to where we can get hooked up with the kingdom and begin to release those things in everything we do. He says here in, in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No man has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. It says no man has seen God at any time, but they can see the image of God. Hmm? See, no man has seen the Father, amen, but they can see the image of him. Who is that image? You know, Jesus, you know, when he walked, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, Jesus has, has, has made us in union. He has welded us together with himself. And so when people are looking at us, they say, man, man, if you, if you want to see the Father, you know, look at us. Now, I know that'd be a very tough thing for most of us to say right now. Amen. But listen, if you want, if you want to know what the Father looks like, look at me. You want to know what his character looks like? Man, look at me. You want to know how the Father loves? Look, look at me. I mean, how many of y'all know that you may be the only Jesus that people see? Hmm? You may be the only Jesus that someone gets to, to grab a hold of while they're here on this life before they get to make that choice uh, to receive him or not. You may be that only person. It says hereby in verse 13. Well, in verse 12 it says, No man has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God dwells in us. And his love is perfected. It's matured in us. It says, hereby, know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and we do to testify that the father sent the son to be the savior unto the world. Whosoever, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. 
And we have known and we have believed in the love that God has for us. For God is love and in him that dwells is love. uh, uh, For God is love and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is love made perfect. Here is it is completed, right? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. This is how we can be bold in the judgment. Because as he is, as Jesus is, so are we. I mean, I'm, t- I'm telling you, these are some big, these are some powerful things. This is what, this is what the, the beloved is saying. As, as he is, so are we. As he is, so are we. As he is, <laughs> so are we. I'm telling you, are we, are we just like him? You know, when I, when I first got saved, you know, I thought, uh, and, you know, I had a real attitude. I had a, a real chip on my shoulder for, my, for most of the younger part of my life. And when I got saved, I, I'd say this people, like, you know, because I didn't like that old lovey-dovey Christian stuff, you know, like everyone hugging everyone and being, being sweet to everyone. I wasn't like that. And then people say, oh, I thought you were a Christian. I said, I am a Christian. I'm just a mean one. <laughs> and I'm just a mean Christian. You know, but see, by the time I got, I got, I got intimate with the things of God, I found out, man, those two don't coexist together. They can't coexist together. How can you be a Christian and be a mean one? Why? Because if you're not walking in love, you don't know the Father. Amen? The more I begin to love, the more I get intimate, the more his love was released in me. The more it was released in me, the more it was released in other people, the more the gifts started flowing, the more his power started moving on in me and through me. I'm telling you, I'm thankful for that scripture that in, in Philippians 1, 6, for, for, for God is faithful. Amen? For I'm confident in this very thing that he that has begun a good work in us. I mean, he's going to complete it. He is a, he's going to complete. I'm telling you, you can, you can be in this one space now, but listen, if you will yield in the things of God, if you'll get committed unto him, listen, he'll continue to shave. He'll continue to mold. And I'm telling you, it won't take long. You start walking in here and people think it's Jesus walking in this room. Why? Because you'll be glowing with his glory that's on the inside of you. This, this is the call to the church that when people see us, they see Jesus. They see, they see the kingdom of God. Amen. In verse 19, I'll, I'll try to finish up here. I'll try to finish up here in verse 18 and 19. It says, there is, no, there is no fear in love, but perfect love. He cast out fear. Because fear has torment, he, has, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Listen, I always scratch that bit out that says him because it's not in the lexicon. The actual scripture says we love is what the lexicon says. The true Greek says we love because he first loved us. We don't just love him. Yeah, we love him. He's inclusive in that. But we love, our love is poured out amongst all people. Amen. Why? Because he loved us. Because he loved us. You know, people say, you know, pastor, how come, how come you don't get, you're not in fear of, of, of COVID? How come you're not in fear of cancer? You're not, you're not in fear of disease or failure or, or shutting down. How, how come you're not fear in these things? I'm telling you, his perfect love, his love that's been completed, I mean, it, it literally drives out fear. It drives out fear to where you don't have to yield on those things. It, those thoughts never even come up to your mind because it drives those things of fear out of you. It drives it out. You say, why is that? What was our definition? When one recognizes and understands the value of an object or a person, a great sense of respect is awakened in the heart and they're compelled to love that person or thing. In fact, the, the love is so strong, it's irresistible. Agape love has no limits, no boundaries in, in, to its outpouring. There's no strings attached 
The love showers upon every person. The love showers love upon the person or the object regardless of the response. That perfect love drives out anything that's not of God around you. See, this is where we talked about that scripture in James chapter 4, 4 or 5 last week, right? That, that, the, that the spirit that God has breathed on the inside of us, he's jealous for you. He's jealous for you. And he intensely desires more of you. I'm telling you, church, God doesn't just want a piece of you. He doesn't want your prayer at the altar. Amen? He doesn't want your, your salvational prayer at the altar and then that's it, that's done. I don't want, no, he wants all of you. He wants everything about you. He wants your thoughts. He wants your desires. Amen. He, he wants your time. He wants everything about you. Why? So he can change something on the inside of you to where we can begin to affect the world outside of these four walls. Amen. Not, not just the church on the inside, but we can affect this town. We are called to change this town. And it's not just going to be this town. Anyone that's been hooked up, hooked up with me long enough, you'll know that it's not just this town that the Lord's speaking about. Amen. We're, we're called to change this island. Amen. But it starts by people getting intimate, pressed in to the things of God. See, this is how no weapon will formed against us shall prosper. Why? Because of the love of God that's on the inside of us. It, it, it defeats anything that tries to prosper itself against us. Amen. How many of y'all know that there's a... No, I keep on going back to this. How many of y'all know there's a difference between your religious fear or, excuse me, religious love and scriptural love, amen, and agape love. Amen, what is this, this scripture we've been talking about in, uh, for, for months here in 2 Timothy, that, that the church, the people, will have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power thereof. You know, it's talking about this coming apostate, this, this coming time that we're, that we're beginning to walk into. It says, you know, perilous times are ahead, I mean, how many of y'all know perilous times are ahead? You know, it says that people, that people are going to be turned covetous, they're going to be turned boasters, they're going to be turned, you know, uh, lovers of their own selves, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy, not having natural affections, truth, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, you know, despisers of those things that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than they are the lovers of God. They're going to have a, they're going to have a form of godliness, but they're going to deny the power thereof. He says, stay away from him. Stay, stay away from him. This is, this is a father ministering into, into his spiritual son saying, listen, these things are coming. Listen, stay away from those people that begin to that. Why? Because we, we have got, we, you know, we use this verse quite often, don't we? We talk about, you know, the power surging through the church, the gifts of the spirit and amazing things, you know, start happening. But listen, there is a revolutionary power in love if we will, if we will yield. It doesn't discount that in this verse either. I mean, this is exactly what it's talking about as well. If we will yield ourselves into this, into this love, it will revolutionize things around us. So I would say, amen, if, you're, if there is a form of godliness in the churches, there's a form of godliness in the people that you're hanging around of, but they're denying the power thereof. They're denying that, that revolutionary power of the spirit of love that's on the inside of them to, to express that to the world around them. Stay away from them or get them saved. Stay away from or get them saved. Get one, one of the two. Amen. But we need to begin to press forward towards these things. Amen. We have got to allow God to change some things on the inside of us. We need to stop promoting ourselves and everything that we're doing. Amen. And begin to promote him. I mean, we need to get sold out to the things of God. I mean, sold out to the things of God. You say... You say, why am, I, why am I talking about some of these things, you know? 
Because I think we, as the church, I've been around so many Christians here lately that are, that are so self-consumed. And I'll say self-consumed, that's a code word for, for selfishness. Code word for imposter. I mean, they're so self-consumed, they don't, they don't want to give anything. They don't want to reveal anything to the love of God, to the people that they come in contact with, to their own family members even. I'm telling you, church, we, got, we, got, we better get to that place where people are annoyed to be around you because that's the only thing that, that comes out of your mouth are the things of God. I mean, not, not wearing the mask of, I'm going to be around the world when I'm around these people, but I'm aware of this mask of being a Christian when I'm around these people. I mean, see, there's, see, there's a couple things that have really stoked me here in, the, in, the, in this, this, this week, and I guess this is why all this is coming out today. You know, you know my grandfather died on Wednesday. Now, I'm not saying that to get condolences. Listen, I'm not one of those type of people. You know, I, I, don't, I don't need all that, but listen, I want to tell you something. You know, my grandfather, he died, he died on Wednesday, and listen, listen, this man, this man outside before, prior to being married, this man was my best friend along with, along with my dad. Amen. We, we were tight. We were close. He did some amazing things for me. His, his son is my birth father, which I don't get along with, uh, you know, but, uh, but he did everything he could to minister love into, into me and my sister as we were growing up. He was a wonderful man. He's the one that I ended up getting in business with. Amen. End up purchasing a business from him. Amen. I got, I got saved there around, uh, at around 2003 and then left to go do, to pursue some, you know, some things of, of God. Y'all, y'all hear me talk about these things all the time about how I was like before I was saved or even how, you know, I was backslidden. Listen, church, this was right in the middle of that, that backslidden time as I was, as I was, as I was, you know, got saved, moved out, started pursuing money, started pursuing power and everything else but the kingdom of God. And in the middle of that, right in 2006, me and him got in a great disagreement that, that, that brought a wedge into our lives. Amen. Best friends, a wedge got put right in the middle of. You say, what was it? Listen, I was, I was running a business I, that, I, that I purchased from him and he started a new business and it was really, it was doing a great job. I was running it for him free of charge because I'm a good grandson. Amen. And we were, and everything was going great. Well, he was like, you know, son, it's, it's about time for me to retire. Would you, would you think about buying? I said, absolutely. You know, give me a number and we'll get these things taken care of. Well, he gave me a number and, I, and we agreed on it. That's, that's great. You know, it's going about our business. You know, about two months later, I landed a big deal for his company. Amen. And he came back to me and said, you know what? I think I want three times the amount or, you know, it'd been three times the amount that, that we originally talked about because of this deal. Right. And I was like, are you, are you kidding me? You know, any good grandfather would do that. Right. I mean, grandson, I've done all these things for you. Give me, give me more. But, but see me in this arrogant state that I was in, and in this place that I didn't care about anything, I didn't care about this man who's never, who's never known Jesus in his life, ne- ne- never thought about Jesus, hated the things of God. I mean, instead, instead of being a Christian, you know, because I was all backslidden doing the things that I wanted to do, you know, what, what happened? You know, I, I bowed up. There ain't no way. That's ridiculous. You know, no way. I'll give you this is what we agreed on, full stop. You don't like it, get on down the road. What'd he do? See, I thought that was the beginning of a, neg- a negotiation. You know, what happened? He, he took his stuff. He got on down the road. Amen. And we became competitors. And I ended up putting him out of business. What a great Christian. What a great Christian man, huh? Ended up putting him out of business where he had to sell out. And he got probably less than what he offered to me at the beginning of it. But, you know, I, was a, I did a great job. Amen. Proved my point. 
About five years later, after I got turned on to the things of God, I'm sitting there in a prayer meeting, you know, before church service started, and I'd have been right about where Melvin is, and I was kneeled down, and I was praying, and the Lord talked to me. He said, you know what? You need to write a letter to Max, and you need to ask for forgiveness. I said, no, that ain't happening. He said, you need to ask for forgiveness. I said, why do I need to ask for forgiveness? I wasn't the one that was wrong there. It was him that did these things. He said, ask for forgiveness, and that was it. God was done arguing. Amen. It was a done deal. And I was like, yeah, whatever. We'll see about that. You know, next morning, like I normally do, I went to the office. I was studying the word of God, just about done studying the word of God. What happened? I had pulled up the computer, started to get some work done. He said, I told you to write a letter. I said, okay, okay. I'll do it later. He said, I want you to write now. I said, okay. So I got up in front of my computer. <laughs> Dear Max. Sat there for about an hour ish, fighting about letting words come out of my mouth. And finally, I just yielded to the Spirit of God. I just yielded to Him. I said, Okay, Lord, let's, 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 let's do this. And I asked Him for forgiveness for everything, took, took all the responsibility for everything. Amen. And then the Holy Ghost just started speaking, speaking through my hands. And he started, you know, he started talking to him about Jesus and, and why this change has, has came in my life. And, you know, I'd really like to, to talk to you. I'd like to have a cup of coffee. Let's go to McDonald's. because That's where you always like to go to get coffee in the morning. And let's, let's go to McDonald's, get a cup of coffee. I'd, I'd love to chat with you. I'd like to, I'd like to talk to you about, about what the Lord's done in my life. Amen. Because I don't care about money. I don't care about business. I don't care about any of those things. I care about you. Amen. And I, mean, I poured my heart on this and I was like, Lord, that is like the best letter I've, I've, I've ever done. You know, praise the Lord. You know, so I folded it all up. You know, I owed him money still for, for this business I was purchasing. And, and so I said, you know what? I got a great idea, Lord. I'm going to put a check with that, with that, with that letter so I'll know when, when it clears. Amen. He'll, he'll have the letter, right? And then I can be expecting a call here in about two weeks or a week or maybe the next day, whatever, whatever, you know, he sees fit. So, so I prayed, you know, anointed that thing. Everything was great. I sent that off. You know, I went back to the, to the lady that was running my accounting department and said, hey, is that, is that check cleared yet? Nope. Is that check cleared yet? Nope. Has that check cleared yet? Yes. And I was like, oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Here, here it comes. And here, here it comes. Here it comes. I'm going to get that call any day now. You know, I waited a week. And I waited two weeks. And I waited three weeks. And I waited a month. And I waited six months. And I waited a year. I still never, had never heard one thing about him. But I did hear from all my customers and all my relatives, amen, how much he still despised me. Amen, for the things that, that took place. You know, so I just kind of, I let those things go. I let those things go. Well, well, I've been praying for him here recently. I heard he had a, a stroke, and they took him into the hospital, and he was ate up with cancer. So I've been praying for laborers to go across this path. Laborers to go minister. Lord, Lord, I know I have messed up this. Man, I messed this up so bad being arrogant, you know, being who I was, being back. So I, I know I messed this up. I was probably the only one that he would have listened to. Amen. The only one that he trusted. I said, listen, I know I messed it up. Well, you, you, you're going to have to send someone, send a doctor, send a nurse, send somebody, send someone because I want to I wanna be with him. I want to be with him. And they died Wednesday. And I was walking 
doing my little normal walk before the class there. And I was walking around talking to the Lord, and I said, you know, Lord, did anyone ever get through to him? Did anyone, did anyone minister to him? Did he, did, he, did he come to know you before he passed away? And I'm telling you, most terrifying words I think I've ever heard. He said, no. He said his heart was too hardened. His heart was too hardened. He, he, couldn't, he, he wouldn't receive from anyone. You say, well, why am I telling you this story? Because church, I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I made. I don't want you to make these same mistakes. I want you to be so filled up with love, so filled up with the power of God, listen, church, that, that people can't be around you. Listen, listen, it's a, it's a heavy weight to bear. It's a heavy weight to bear, amen, when you, when you didn't do all that you knew you could do to get someone into the kingdom, amen. But I'm telling you, if we, if we will speak the word, if we'll love, if we will do the things that God's asked us to do, and if people deny us then and walk away from us then, listen, listen, that, that responsibility's kind of slacked off and it's not, it, it won't be as, as, as big of a burden to bear, but I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, don't, don't, don't be like this. Don't be like this. I know I can look around here. I know we all have family members that aren't saved. I know we have, I know we have neighbors that aren't saved. I know, I know there's people that, that coming out of the church that, that, that aren't saved. And I'm telling you, how in the world can people be around us and think that them being worldly is all right? Amen. We ought to be so filled up full of, full of the things of God. I'm telling you, the only thing that comes out of our mouth is Jesus. Hey, man, I'm telling you, I got, we got family members now. See, I, I, I committed this years ago. I'll never make that mistake again. And I, we got family members that hate me and Kimberly. They, they, they won't come around us. Why? Because if you come around us, listen, we're on a mission. Amen. A mission is to get you saved. And if you don't want to get saved, you leave. Amen. Because there's one thing that's going to be coming out of our mouth, and it's Jesus. People should not be comfortable around us Christians. Amen. If they, if they don't want what we're, what we're delivering. Amen. If they don't want. Why? Because it's who you are. Amen. Why? Because hell is real. I'm here to tell you, hell is real. Amen. And we, and we ought not let anyone go there and let them have the opportunity to make that decision. Amen. Amen? Amen? Now let me close off with this. Yeah, let me close off with this here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to read you what, what God says love is. Not Ryan's definition, but I want, to read you, I want to read you what the Lord says it is. The Holy Ghost speaking through the Apostle Paul here in verse 4 in the Amplified Version. It says, love endures long. It is patient and it is kind. Love is never envious, nor does it bowl over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious, and it does not display itself haughtily. It isn't conceited or arrogant or inflated with pride. It isn't rude or unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. For love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own ways, for it isn't self-seeking. It isn't touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of an evil done to it, and it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not, it takes no account of an evil done to it, and it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice or unrighteousness, but it rejoices when right, 
when righteousness and truth prevail. For love, it bears up under anything and everything that comes against it. It's ever ready to believe the best in every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything. It endures everything without weakening. For love, it never fails. This agape love, it never fails. It never fades out. It never becomes obsolete, and it never comes to an end. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your love. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that for, the, for the precious fruit talked about in Galatians chapter 15, Lord, that, we, that your fruit has come upon us, Lord. It is producing agape love on the inside of us, Lord. It's not something we have to fight for, Lord. It's already on the inside of us, Lord. May we be a people that yield unto it. Lord, may we be consumed with your kingdom. Lord, may we begin to, to love people like you have loved us. Lord, may we, at every instance, at every cost, whether it ruins our reputation, whether it makes friends or family members walk away from us, Lord, may we be people that will deliver the kingdom, speak the kingdom, love the kingdom, and every instance and aspect of our lives, Lord. Because hell is real, and we don't desire anyone. Lord, you came here that all shall be saved. Lord, we ask this to, to use us, speak to us, speak through us, Lead us, guide us, and direct us, or give us the right words to say. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that we need to go out and be Bible bashers, but, but we, that we have no compromise on the inside of us where there's no trace of the world that's in us, or that people get convicted just because they're in our presence, because the glory of God begins to, to radiate through us. Or that not one person in here finds themselves in the same mistake that I made years ago. Lord, Lord, that we be committed, committed unto the kingdom, committed unto you, committed to be used as a vessel here on this earth. Lord, we thank you for it, Lord. We glorify you for it. We glorify you for it. Father, we take a hold of Psalms 91 as, as is the tradition of this church, Lord. It says that no evil will befall us. Lord, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place. Lord, for you give your angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. Lord, you, they bear us up in their hands lest we dash our foot against the stone. You said we shall tread on the, on the lion and the adder and the young lion and the dragon shall we trample underneath our feet because, because we've set our love upon you, Lord. Therefore, you'll, you'll deliver us. You said you'll set us on high because we have known your name. You said we, should, we can call upon you. You'll, you'll hear us. You'll be with us in trouble. You'll deliver us and honor us with long life while you satisfy us because we are people that are committed to be in the secret place of the Most High. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, we, we are caught in that place of protection of the wings of the, of the Almighty. That the blood of the mercy seat covers us in everything that we do. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Your word says a thousand may fall at our side, 10,000 at our right hand, but it will not come near us because of your goodness. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the people that you placed in our paths. We thank you for our family. Lord, we ask for a revelation to know how to, how to know if we're to be sowing seeds into people, receiving from people, or if things can be lateral with people. But Lord, that we may take a hold of every relationship and know what our job is in each, in each one of those uh, relationships we come across, in, whether it's in the church or whether it's out of the church. Hallelujah. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be. Thank you, Lord, here at Island Church. We are covered by your blood. We are empowered by the word, and we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah.
are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the centre of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.